Mark chapter 1, verse 35. I'm going to read a couple scriptures to you that are going to really build upon one another, and, and they're predicated for our, our message going forward. Mark chapter 1, verse 35, it says, And in the morning, a great while before day, Jesus, he was an early riser, apparently. He rose and he went out to a lonely place, and there he prayed. Mark chapter 6, verse 46 says, And after he had taken leave of them, he went away from his disciples, he went up the mountain to pray. Luke chapter 6, verse 12 says, In these days he went into, these are all about Jesus, obviously, went into the hills to pray. And all night he continued prayer to God. Luke chapter 11, verse 1, I think you're kind of picking up what I'm putting down right now. He was praying. Okay, Jesus prayed a lot, Pastor Weston. We get it. But he, played, he prayed in a certain place. He probably played there too. Hey. And when he ceased, when he stopped, one of the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. This is where we get our sermon series title from. Teach us to pray as John the Baptist taught his disciples. Lord, there's something in you. There's, there's something about you. There's something, man, with these signs and wonders and miracles that you do. Jesus, I don't know what it is about you, but I want it. Teach us to pray. Teach us to do what you do. Teach us your experience. Teach us what you have here. Jesus constantly got alone to be with his father. Even, even before the crucifixion in the Garden of Gethsemane, he went with James, Peter, and John, the three, right? His top three, if you will. His, his favorites, if you will, as people often call them. And, and he said, hey, Terry with me here. Who's Terry? Was he a disciple? No, Terry with me here. Wait with me here, and I want you to pray. And they fell asleep, and, and Jesus went, and he prayed. And he was hearing from God, and he told, he told his father, he said, hey, listen, if, if this cup can pass from me, Lord, please let it. But but not my will be done. It's not about me. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my emotions, Lord. This is not about me. Let this cup pass for me if it can. Alas, not my will be done, Lord, but, but yours. Listen, Jesus gave us this concept. He modeled this, this life, this prayer life, if you will, for us constantly. He would continually go away and spend time with his Father. And watch this, we also see this same model in the Old Testament with a very familiar, familiar character, a man that, that, no, that needs no introduction, a man by the name of Moses. In fact, in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, describes Moses in this way, which I really wanted to hit on before we get into the bulk of the message today. It says, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face. He would speak to him face to face as one speaks to a friend. That's what prayer is. I, listen, I want to debunk the myth, if you will, like, like I don't need somebody else going to pray for me, even though intercession's okay, intercession's good. That's what we just had up here. <coughs> Excuse me, <coughs> got me. It, you coming up here and somebody praying with you and for you, that's, that's somebody's interceding with you on your behalf. 
But listen, you don't, you don't have to depend on somebody else. Moses said, hey, I can go to God all by myself and I can have this relationship with him like a friend has, face to face. Moses made a habit of this. In the next chapter, in chapter 34, Moses is writing the second set of Ten Commandments because he broke the first set. That's another message for another day. I ain't got time today. But he broke the first set out of anger, out of frustration. And Exodus chapter 34 is where we pick up today. If you don't have your Bibles, you can cheat on the screen with us. Look, aren't those so nice? Pastor Micah does an incredible job. I was about to say Pastor Moses, but that's not his name. (laughs) Verse 29 says, when Moses came down from the Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the covenant of the law in his hands, he was not aware that his face was radiant. Let me pause here. The Bible says that, because we try to find a timeline for this. The Bible says that Moses was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. He was essentially fasting before we ever knew what fasting was. Like Moses, my man was fasting. He was going without food and water, and he was just spending time with God. So he's fasting with the Lord. He's up there for 40 days, 40 nights, and he was not aware that his face was radiant. It was shining. It was glowing, right? And, and guys, I'm not talking about like when your wife says, hey, how's my makeup look today? And you're like, you're, you're glowing, babe. You're, you, look, you look good. I'm not talking about that. Maybe you should kind of even the lines of your blush, and I'm not a makeup expert. I, I know nothing about that. Anyway, um, because his face was, was radiant, he had, he had been speaking with the Lord. He had been with, with God. And verse 30 says, when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses and his face was radiant, they were afraid to come near. Again, husbands, I'm not talking about, anyway, okay, I'm just kidding. It's a joke, it's a joke. They were afraid to come near him, but Moses called them. He said, no, no, Aaron, all the leaders in the community, y'all come back. They came back to him. And he spoke to them. Watch this. He spoke to them, face radiating and all. He spoke to them. And afterward, all the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commandments that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. Verse 33. But when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. That's strange. Verse 34, let's continue reading. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw his face was radiant. Again, he went in and he spoke with the Lord and and he was gleaning from God. He was spending time in the presence of God. His face was, again, it was radiant. But then... Then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord. Listen, I want to give you the title of my message today, which is simply this. Fix your face. Y'all laugh, but y'all know it's true. Some of y'all got up on the wrong side of bed this morning. Some of y'all were arguing with your spouse, even in the vehicle before you got out. 
Oh, hey, how's it going, Pastor Wesson? It's so good to see you. <laughs> right? Maybe, watch this, we tell, we tell our leadership this all the time, our dream team members and, and team members, leaders in, in the church, hey, sometimes you, you got to remind your face that you love Jesus, you know, because you can look at your face and be like, ooh, do they love Jesus? It's really important when it comes to our prayer team, right? Our prayer team. Because watch this. Nobody wants to come to a prayer member looking like this. <laughs> Nobody. That's why we try to tell our prayer team member, hey, listen, worship leaders, come on. Your name. There's a difference between, oh, yeah, I want to worship with that. And your name is great. Is it really? Because we can't tell. You get what I'm saying? Sometimes you got to remind yourself to fix your face. I remember uh, our six-year-old Camry, she used to have this thing that we would do with her all the time. Like, it was like automatic. I wish I had a picture of it. I don't have a really good one. But I'll never forget, we would tell Camry to do stink face. Or st not really stink face, stank face. It was, it was really what it was. Hey, Camry, do stank face. And she would go... <laughs> automatic and it was hilarious that's we literally did this for comedic relief like everybody is like just kind of chilling in the living room hey camera do stank face <laughs> like that it was it was just automatic like that's just what she did but the problem is she would turn it on and turn it off some of y'all need to turn it off today somebody in here needs to hear this this is for you because some of y'all, you, you're so mad at your spouse right now because y'all got, the, the, got out on the wrong side of the bed. Some of y'all been arguing and yelling. Like one time, I didn't even get on the wrong side. I got out on the foot of the bed. I don't know if y'all have ever done that before, but I have. Wednesday night before church, me and Kelsey, we haven't had it. It's like 5.45. I got to be at the church. I was like, woman, I got to go. She's like, fine, Go started doing her makeup, I was like, I know I have to go, but I don't know if I should go or not. <laughs> Just going to walk away. But you said I didn't mean it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but, but watch this, watch this. I came to church that night, and I had to preach the gospel. Do you know what I didn't do? All right. Open up your Bibles, you bunch of stupid students. That's what I did. Yeah, yeah, we're going to preach the gospel. No, I didn't do that. You want to know why? Because those students deserve my best. And sometimes when you show up to church or when you go to Walmart, you need to remind your face that you love Jesus, that you've been spending time with his presence because somebody's eternity is depending on your face. Pastor Wilson, is somebody really depending on my face? I don't know. Are you approachable? Are, are, you are you approachable? Because no one's ever gonna ask you about Jesus when your face looks like this. Because you don't act like you love Jesus. The, the problem is, church, we get so hung up on our feelings, on how we feel, right? You get cut off in traffic, all of a sudden you wanna point them to heaven. Hey, <laughs> only one way to heaven and you know where it is. Sometimes you just want to tell somebody, you know what? You cut me off. Pick the tall one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Read between the lines. Yeah, I didn't do it. Don't, don't, uh, oh, don't act like I've never done it. You have. I actually have never done that to anybody. I promise you, I put that on Jesus, okay? Listen, the problem is we get so upset. We get so irritated in the moment and what may be going on in the world around us. You get mad at your spouse for not ironing your favorite shirt and you have an important meeting. It's okay, wear your second favorite shirt. But don't let your face show it. We get so mad, your coworker, you walk into work, all of a sudden they won't shut up. Like that one coworker, y'all know what I'm talking about, huh? The one person that just talks louder than anybody else in the office, you know what I'm talking about. And they spot you the morning that you need to fix your face. Oh, hello, my first victim. I'd like to talk to you. You hadn't even had coffee, but you spent time with Jesus at 610. You got up and prayed. Sometimes you need to remind yourself of the presence of God that you spent with him instead of leaving it at the door of the place that you prayed you got to come back to it and it's got to stay with you because you never know that coworker may need Jesus that day and you need to fix your face we got to get to a place where you know what God I'm sorry I repent because because my face is telling of the presence that I've spent with you Sometimes I got to remind myself, Weston, you've got to go today and you've got to fix your face. Why? Because your face is an extension of your heart. Watch this. You ready? The Bible says out of the mouth, out, excuse me, out of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Your, your mouth is an amplifier of your heart. I would say it this way. Out of the heart, your face shows. Don't believe me? When you're in a bad position, when you're in a bad spot, when you're going through it, when you're experiencing turmoil, pain, life is just throwing you a curveball and you don't know what to do, guess what? We show it. We show it. We show it on our face. I am not approachable. I'm going through something. Hey, what's wrong? Are you okay? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) Sometimes we just need to know somebody's looking and watching. That's why we carry it on our face. Hey, how are you? <gasps> I've been waiting for somebody to ask me that. <laughs> oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. But sometimes, sometimes all, all we had to do was just spend time with Jesus, and that would have fixed the problem in the first place. Because we're looking for answers that nobody else can answer except Him, because He is the answer. You wanna fix your face, you wanna fix your attitude, you wanna fix your life, go to him instead of everybody else. We've gotta get to this point in our lives where where we let our face be changed by the presence that we spend with him. The Bible tells us that Moses, again, spent 40 days and nights communing, having conversations with God. And when he came off the mountain, his face was radiating, it was shining. And number one today, I wanna ask you a question. How can people tell that you've been with God? How how can people tell? What are you presenting when you walk out of these four walls? Can people tell that you've been in church? Can people tell? Literally, somebody's driving on Satig Road, and you're pulling out, and all of a sudden, you're like, hey, I'm sorry, Jesus. How can people tell? It was evident that Moses 
had been with God because he walked off the mountain and his face was shining. It was evident that Jesus would constantly spend time with God because of the miracles and the signs and the wonders that he would perform, the conversations that he would have with people, the messages that he would speak. It was evident that he had been in the presence of God. My question to you today, church, is is your prayer life evident in your work life? Is your prayer life evident, watch this, in your children's lives? I'm gonna let that simmer for a second. Because sometimes we think our prayer life should only impact us and not impact our kids. And then we just let them do whatever they want to do. Oh, Lord, you were speaking to me. You were, you know, they, that's different. They got to learn on their own. They got to experience life for themselves, and they got to go through it because sometimes only life can teach them. No! Pastor Chris always said, where is that in Scripture? <laughs> Lead them. Guide them. Direct them. How is it evident in your children's lives that you live for Jesus? Because last time I checked, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'm going to teach my kids how to love Jesus because of the presence that I experience personally. They're going to experience it too. And that's not hard. That's not difficult. Guess what? This weekend, I was reading my Bible, and my kids were getting on my nerves. And I was trying to read. And you know what? I had to tell, baby, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm trying to read, but we, let's do it together. <laughs> I didn't separate the two. The two are together because my prayer life is going to affect my children's lives. And the presence that I experience, they're going to experience. Is, you, is the prayer life and the, the presence of God that you have, is it affecting your personal life? Your prayer life that you have, it, it can't just stop at the door that you pray of in your war room, in your car. Well, I, pray, I experienced the presence of God, and that was it. That was good. Thank you, Jesus. And then all of a sudden, we shut the door, and that was it, and we leave it there in the presence. And we leave it there in the war room. Oh, listen, I, I agree. That movie was good and all that good stuff, you know. But listen, it can't stay in the war room. The presence of God can't stay here in the sanctuary, in the worship center. It's got to go with us. And my question to you today, church, the life that we live, how is it affecting? How is it echoing? How is it overflowing out of the time that we pray and the time that we spend with Jesus? How is it affecting those around us? Again, we cannot separate the two because they're cohesive. They're both and. It's not an either or. Our personal lives should be an overflow of our prayer life. Unfortunately, somebody should have told Moses that because my man separated some things. Moses, he gets a bad rap for covering his face, but I would say that Moses was trying to do the right thing at first. He had good intentions, In verses 31 and 34, when he talked to the people and when he spoke with God, he had his his face uncovered. He he had the good intentions about him. He wanted to show the the presence of God. He even told the people, hey, guys, come see. Come, Come near. Let me tell you what God has done in my life. Come see. That was the good intentions. But then for whatever reason, in verse 33, he covers it. He takes it off when he spends time with God, but then he leaves, talks to the people, and then covers his face again. 
why? Do we miss something in scripture? Did, did God tell him to do this? Did God show him something that we don't see in scripture? I don't understand. Church, can I tell you and remind you today that I believe that there is a reason to the radiance. There is purpose to his presence in your life and the presence for you is not just for you. It's gotta be for somebody else. Because what is the point of us putting that we wanna impact eternity on the wall and then forsake it when we leave here? And we just let it be scripture and word on a wall. Oh, thanks for the encouragement, New Hope. Got it. And then we go to Walmart acting an idiot. You can't say that. I just did. <laughs> because we do. We, we act like we didn't even let that message and let that word be something because we've got to impact eternity. Somebody's eternity is at stake and my face could be a make or break situation for somebody that comes in here because they need to see Jesus and they need to hear Jesus and they need to experience Jesus and you may be the only vessel that they see today. We got to impact eternity. That's what we've been called to do. But yet for some reason, Moses covered his face. There was a reason, there was a purpose to the radiance and the shining. Number two today, church, I wanna tell you, don't conceal what God wants to reveal. Don't try to hide what God is trying to show somebody else. So many times we, man, Moses, Moses was acknowledging the fact that people were afraid, and that's good. Listen, there are going to be people that, that they're not used to this. There are going to be people that come, in our, come on our campus and darken the doors of this church, and they're not used to powerful worship like this, and, and people are raising their hands and, and, and jumping a little bit. Listen, you can't judge somebody else's freedom because of what God has freed them from. You can't look at somebody, oh, why are they jumping? Why are they, why are they moving around so much? Because that's what freedom looks like, friend. I don't know if you know this or not, but you hold up a gun in my face, the international sign of surrender is, I'm gonna throw my hands up. And sometimes we gotta get to a place where we surrender to God and we surrender to his presence and we say, God, I can't do anything else without you. I need you. So we get to this place and we realize, you know what? God, I've got to uncover the veil. I've got to, I've got to shine my face before, before other people and I've got to let the light shine that you place in me for other people. I surrender to you. Paul wrote this in 2 Corinthians chapter three. He wrote this earlier on in his letters and, and he actually talks about Moses. And again, guys, I'm not out to make Moses the bad guy today, but, but Moses, Moses just missed it in this moment. And that's okay, I miss it too. <laughs> but watch what Paul writes about in verse 12 of chapter three. He says, therefore, since we have such a hope, we can be very bold. We can be courageous. We've got something to be cor courageous about. Like we, we can be bold about something. And that's what Paul's writing, but, but we're not like, watch this, we're not like Moses. Dang, that's hard, Paul. My man just called you out, Moses. Sorry, bro. Shots fired. Did you get the license plate on that bus that just ran over you? <laughs> Moses, who would put the veil over his face? Watch this. This is scary. To prevent the Israelites 
from seeing the end of what was passing away. Why was it passing away? I, I, I had to look this up because I, I wanted to know, like I was curious, where this visitation was, when, when Moses went up to Mount Sinai and, and he visited with God, how, where was this? How many times did he do this? Would he, would he do this and go, go to be with God often? Well, theologians and, and different writers, they actually believe that this was one of the last times. In, in Exodus chapter 34, when he got the second set of commandments, this was one of the last times that Moses went up to Mount Sinai to visit with God. In fact, there was only about eight times that we see in Scripture that he actually went, about seven or eight. And, and we actually see this. This is one of the last times that he did this. Now, that's not to say that Moses didn't hear from God often. He didn't, he didn't glean from God or, or didn't spend time in God's presence. But this was one of the only the few times that he had one of those, those awe-encountering, face-shining moments. There was only one time where we read about Moses' face shining. That's a problem. Pastor Weston, why is it a problem? Because Moses let this mountaintop moment just be a revival moment instead of a relationship he vested in, invested in. It was passing away because he let it become just this, well, I had a good experience, and I'm just gonna chalk it up to that. Well, it's a one-time moment, that's where I'm gonna leave it. Well, Pastor Weston, a couple weeks ago, I came down to this altar and I had a good moment. Listen, Pastor Chris talked about it last week. What's the purpose in the moment if you don't put mileage behind it? We've got to put some energy in this effort. What is the point of putting a ring on my wife's finger and celebrating it once a year and saying, love you, babe, but not putting the investment that it truly deserves into the relationship? Just because I say I love her, that's just going to be good enough? No. Every day I return to this relationship and my relationship with God is no different. And that's what Paul is trying to teach us and show us that, that there was a reason why it was fading away. And I believe truly that, that Moses was just letting that become a moment that he had on the mountaintop. And he chalked it up and he said, well, that was good. Instead of a moment where he continued to return to it and said, God, I need you every day, every day. But watch this, verse 14, Paul continues to write. The, the Sanhedrin, talking about the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they, their minds were made dull for this day. The same veil remains when the old covenant is read, talking about the, the Pentateuch. It, was, it had not been removed, but because only in Christ is it taken away. Talking about the religious, they're not, they're not, re, they're not revealing themselves to Christ. They're not, they're not unveiling themselves to Jesus. They just want to stay stuck. Even to this day, when Moses is read, again, his, the books that he wrote, Genesis through Deuteronomy, when his books are read, a veil covers their hearts because they stay stuck in the law and they're not living out the love of Jesus. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, oh, come on, this is where it gets good. When we turn to the Lord, that's when the veil is taken away. And watch this, a lot of times we read this next scripture and we take it out of context and we truly don't even take it into the passage in which it's read. Verse 18, 
or excuse me, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You want to know true freedom? You know what? You want to experience true grace and victory and liberty? It's only when we unveil our face and we get in the presence of God who wants to know us and we want to know Him that true freedom can be lived out in us and through us. That's where true freedom is. That's why Jesus tore the veil from top to bottom. So we didn't have to depend on anybody else to experience the Holy of Holies and the presence of God. Pastor Blaine talked about it a few weeks ago. That's why it was tore from top to bottom, so showing us that only Jesus could have done that. If it was torn from bottom to top, then that could have meant that man tore it. But Jesus tore it so we could experience his face personally. So we could see God face to face. So we could know him just like Moses did, just as a friend would go to another friend. And when we do that, when we spend time with him, when we're in his presence, we experience the freedom with all unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. We're being transformed into his image of ever, of ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You wanna know what that means? The more that we spend time with God, the more you look like him. The more you spend time with Jesus, the more you smell like him. You've probably heard it before, but Jesus was a shepherd, right? A carpenter, he's called the good shepherd. When you spend time with the sheep, guess what? You smell like sheep, a farmer hangs out with a bunch of cattle. Guess what? He's going to smell like cattle. I don't know about you. I don't know what kind of perfumes and fragrances you have at your house, but I am surrounded by four women in my house. My wife, she likes sweet grace. All the ladies say, hey, yeah, that's my jam. Yeah, good for you. All right. I'm surrounded by estrogen. For Christmas, you know what my wife bought me? My own cologne so I can smell like a man. Too often I was walking out smelling like a lady. <laughs> you want to know why? Because that's, we all pick up, if you go into somebody's house, they're going to have a certain fragrance or aroma about their house. Some good, some bad. You walk in somebody's house. Hey, my wife's got some sweet grace. I'll go get you some. Hey, you never know. A good candle will do somebody good. You know what I'm saying? But, but you smell like the last place you left. You go to a bar, you're going to smell like a bar. If you smoke, guess what you smell like? All the cologne and stuff that you try to spray on in your car to try to not smell like smoke. And by the way, that doesn't smell good. The combination of the two is what I'm saying. Acts does not help, okay? It only covers so much, okay? We have to tell our junior hires that, all right? Axe body spray does not convert like as a bath. That's not the same things. It's not. So if you smoke and you smell like smoke, stop using Axe as a cover-up. Just spend time with Jesus. I digress, I've gone down this road too long. I'm, I'm here to remind somebody today that when you spend time with Jesus, you're gonna look like Jesus. 
the more that you're with him, the more that you, you smell like him. The, the more that you're with him, the more you sound like him. We must continue to return to our Savior, the source, so he can reveal his glory in us and through us. Listen, God wants to reveal his freedom through you and, and to you. God wants to reveal his grace upon you and his, his goodness upon you. But too many times we go in the presence of God and we get this bless me mentality. Oh, yes, Lord, bless me. I need you. Yes, Lord, I want to treat you like a genie in a bottle. Lord, bless me. Bless me. Favor ain't fair. Sorry. You know, we get this mentality of, of, of God treating us with goodness, but yet we're not willing to share it with other people. We cover our face because we're, we think that we want to hoard it for ourselves. Oh, if somebody else finds out that I've been spending time with God, then they're going to want the same thing from me. They're going to want my favor. They're going to want my blessing. Maybe the favor wasn't for you. Maybe it was for somebody else that you walk by in Walmart and you stick your nose up at them. But they really need the Jesus inside of you. Since when did Jesus become something selfish that we hoard? instead of something that we give and someone that we share. Man, he's gotta be someone that, that we're willing to pour out of us and not willing to hold on to. What's the point in, in knowing a good, good father but yet not letting anybody else know him? And we end up going to heaven alone. We have to unveil his goodness and his glory to reveal what he's doing in us. Number three. We need to seek his face. Number three, we need to seek his face. And I know that's very fundamental. I know that's very elementary, but I, I wanna share this with you. There's a very popular scripture that you probably know by heart and you don't even know that you know it. In fact, it's a scripture that we pray over you every single Sunday. Numbers chapter six, God spoke to my boy Moses, redeeming him a little bit. And he said to Aaron, the Lord is telling me to tell you something, Aaron. Let me tell you and your sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. So say to them this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Oh, and and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance, his face upon you and give you peace. Peace that I don't understand, peace that doesn't, I don't comprehend, I don't understand. Why on earth, Jesus, would you give me this peace when I don't deserve it, when I don't deserve the grace, when I don't deserve the glory? Weston, it's when you get in my presence that you can truly understand what I wanna do in you and through you. It's your grace, it's his face that's he, that he wants to shine upon me. Give us his peace. Verse 27, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. His name, his identity, oh, his, his kingship, his anointing, his royalty. It doesn't have to be separated, it's on you when you spend time in his presence, when you go to him in prayer. The last story, we got plenty of time. 
I feel like every time I have the opportunity to preach, I talk about one of my kids because they're so easy to talk about. And one day when they're old enough and they're gonna be in here, maybe I can't talk about them as much. But for now, I got time. I always feel like I, you know, we we talked about Camry. Karis is coming. She's gonna get hers one day. But today I wanna talk about Kinley. She's, bless her heart. Uh, She is our our bologna. She's our meat to our sandwich. We have three kids. We got two bread ends and then we got our meat in the middle, which is Kinley May. Bless her heart. She is, she is particular. She gets that from her mama. Uh, obviously, I'm a little particular and out there, and uh, so is she. And uh, we have the same problems, uh, Kenley and I do. Um, we're trying to figure out outfits and stuff in the morning. Sometimes her mama has this, but more often it lands on me, and I, I just, I've got to be strategic on what I wear. And, you know, like my little, I should have talked about Jonah today, my little whales. I got little whales on my shirt. Um, <laughs> but anyway, I, I think it's hilarious um, sometimes, but, but oftentimes, Kenley getting dressed in the morning, it'll, it'll test your salvation. <laughs> it'll test you. Um, Kelsey leaves for work early. She's an occupational therapist, so she leaves to go to the hospital in Ville Platte pretty early. And so um, your boy right here is tasked with getting three girls ready in the morning. I do breakfast sometimes um, when I remember. I do. I make lunches for school, um, and I get them ready for the babysitter. I do all the things, and y'all, I make a mean ponytail. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Boom shakalaka. I don't, do, I don't do the vacuum thing because I don't want to, oh God, oh God, oh God. And, and Karis's hair is so thick, I may, like, I may mess up that mane, that, that beautiful, glorious mane she's got. Um, anyway, I digress. This is taking way too long. But, but I get them ready, and I have to create margin, a lot of margin, a lot of time in my morning to handle Kinley because she... Um, she takes a long time to get ready. She is slow as molasses, y'all. I'm talking about so slow because she wants to wear certain things. And, and I think that she wants to wear pink one morning and, and, and it's her favorite color and we pick out something pink and it doesn't have enough stripes and it doesn't have a unicorn. For the love of God, let's find a stinking unicorn on a shirt. Um, Pray for me. Um, and then she wants to wear certain shoes and she gets them on the wrong feet. And I, I've had this teaching lesson like 80 times. Like, baby, the curve of the shoe, you got that goes on the inside and the strap goes to the outside of your foot. Like, so like this, daddy. No, no, that is not, that is not what I said. Kelsey, Kelsey, oh, she's gone. Okay, praise God. Camry, come help your sister. I'll never forget um, one morning, uh, one morning in particular, it was, it, was, it was extremely difficult. She wanted to wear rain boots. It was 100 degrees outside and shorts. Um, so shorts and rain boots, it wasn't even raining that day. It, a beautiful open sky, not raining. And, but they light up, Daddy, look. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, good for you. Um, but I, I'll never forget, uh, y'all, I'd had it up to here, okay? up to here. I was done. D-U-N done, okay? Um, And I'll never forget, I was yelling at my three-year-old out of frustration. 
because she wasn't getting it right. She was confused on what the difference between a zipper and a button was, and she wants to wear stripes, and I thought it was a pink kind of day. Obviously, I was wrong and mistaken. I was like, hey, what about these shoes? They, they, don't, they don't have laces. Well, I want laces. You don't know how to tie laces. I have to. You see how it scarred me. <laughs> but I am yelling at my three-year-old at this point. One particular morning, I storm out of the room after making her cry. Because I'm done, y'all. I'm done. And I like literally, I'm walking out of the room and God like pricks my heart so suddenly. And I had already spent time with Jesus and I'm like, why is he interrupting me right now? Of all the times I'm trying to deal with this kid and it's like, hey, stupid, do you remember the time that you spent with me like 30 minutes ago? No, I don't. No, that's not what happened. But I, I, ever so slightly, I just felt like the Lord pricked my heart and said, why don't you teach her? Why don't you show her how to do it, because she knows how to do it, and, and then just let her do it. And I said, very snarky in response to God, I do, Lord, and she does what she wants anyway. And the Lord said very quickly back to me, does that sound familiar? I know, that's what I said. Touche, Lord. Touche. You know what I learned? That if I help her pick out whatever outfit that she would like to wear that's reasonable and doesn't look silly, sometimes we wear rain boots when it's sunny outside, okay? Some, I'm willing to not die on that molehill. <laughs> but sometimes when I just, and they don't have laces, so I don't have to worry about anyway. <laughs> We'll pick out the outfit together. You know what I've learned to do? Let her get dressed. You're on your own, kid. <laughs> but you know what I found? A lot of y'all are shaking your head. He learned. <laughs> Proud of you. Yeah, I did. You know what I learned? That if I create enough margin, Kinley will get dressed herself. And guess what? I can go eat breakfast and be happy. I can go have pancakes and not have to worry about trying to figure out why my daughter doesn't like to put on her shirt the right way. But watch what happens. When she comes out of her room and she's dressed, there are times where she has her shoes on the wrong feet, her shorts are backwards, which by the way, I don't even know. How do you figure button them like this? And that made sense, right? The pockets are right here, like right on the front. I don't understand. Yeah, babe, that good job, I guess. Her shirts are on backwards, her shorts are on backwards, and the shoes are on the wrong feet, and her hair's a mess. I'm like, oh. But watch this, you know what I found? That when she comes out of her room, she asks me one question every day. Daddy, did I get it right? And there are mornings when she doesn't, I can look at her and I can say, no baby, <laughs> but let me help you. Does that sound familiar? Because she needs her daddy to help her sometimes. Just like we need our daddy to help us sometimes. But can I tell you, 
the mornings that she walks out and she looks like this. Please. She's the only, she's our only child that has dimples and they just light up from ear to ear. And watch this, it even gets better. Sometimes she's a model. Go ahead and throw that up there. Oh, hey. (laughs) Why do I show you that picture? Because this morning she got it right. She said, Daddy, did I get it right? Yeah, baby, you did. And it's days like that where my daughter needs facial recognition. Where she needs to know that her daddy loves her. And church, I'm here to remind somebody in this room today or maybe watching online that you have a father in heaven that just wants to look at you face to face and give you that facial recognition that you have been longing for for so long. You have been longing and searching for somebody to tell you that you that you are loved, that you are cherished, that you belong to some family, that you don't have to run anymore, you don't have to hide anymore. You can know that I love you, Jesus says. My daughter looks at me, Daddy, did I get it right? You know what I found? That no matter what my life looks like, when I get it wrong, he loves me. When I get it right, he loves me. No matter what, come on, if you're gonna praise him, praise him. It's this facial recognition that he says, you know what, I, I see you. And when I see you, when I turn my face towards you, and my countenance upon you can give you my peace. I can lavish upon you my love and my goodness and my grace and my mercy because where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. When you are with the Spirit of God and you're walking with the Spirit of God, freedom not not only could be felt and experienced by you, but it could be experienced through, through you. For someone else when he just lavishes his love upon you daddy did I get it right <laughs> yeah baby you got it right when we go to him in prayer and we're able to have conversations with him and we're able to commune with him and, and spend time in his presence, that's when we allow him to shape us and mold us the most, to create in us who he's called us to be and who we know we should be. Shining, radiant, operating in his goodness and his mercy to those who need it most.